welcome to Note Doctors. My name is Paul. My name is Jen. My name is Ben. And we are your hosts. We are all university music theory instructors who are passionate about music theory and music theory instruction. In this podcast, we will be talking about all things theory with some of the best music theory teachers in the country. If you want to know more about music theory and the most effective and innovative ways to teach it, this is the podcast for you. Well, welcome back to another episode of Note Doctors. We are so pleased that you've tuned in, and especially to all of our listeners, not just in the United States, but also in Canada, in China, in Great Britain. We've been amazed with the number of listeners that we've had uh, throughout the globe. Uh, over the past six months, we've had over 2,700 downloads, and so we really appreciate all of you listening and uh, learning together with us about music theory and music theory pedagogy. And remember, if you ever have any questions or ideas or thoughts, you can always find us on Facebook, Note Doctors, or uh, write a review on iTunes. Uh, we always appreciate any type of contact that we can have with you all. So today, our very special guest is Akira Sato. So Ben, tell us a little bit more about Akira. Sure, Paul. Since the 2013-14 academic year, Akira Sato has held a rather unique position as a full-time AP music theory teacher at Plano West Senior High School in Plano, Texas, where he teaches six sections of AP music theory classes. Prior to this appointment, he was a faculty member at the University of North Texas, where he taught courses in jazz arranging and composition. Concurrently, he was the director of the Meadows Jazz Orchestra and taught other courses in jazz at SMU, or Southern Methodist University, in Dallas, Texas. In addition to his duties at Plano West, Akira works extensively for the College Board. As a workshop consultant, he leads AP Summer Institutes and one-day workshops across the country. Since 2019, he has been a member of the AP Music Theory Test Development Committee, writing and revising questions for the AP exam. In August, he created a series of 25 AP daily video lessons for the AP Classroom website. In addition, he has served as a reader for the AP Music Theory exam since 2015 and has gained experience grading every free response question. Akira earned a Master of Music degree in Jazz Arranging from the University of North Texas, where he was a member of the One O'Clock Lab Band and had numerous compositions and arrangements recorded by the ensemble. He also holds a Bachelor of Commerce and Business Administration degree from the University of British Columbia and worked in the financial sector for several years. Currently, he lives in Plano, Texas with his wife, son, and two cats. I always say at the beginning of the year, um, we're gonna start from you know, the beginning. Um, but I want them to be paying attention because I quote this student. There's one student maybe in October one year. Uh, she's kind of been coasting along because key signatures, whatever. She had done that in band, I think it was. And one day, I can't remember, seventh chord day, she, we finished class. She, right, teenage girls. Music theory just got real. Just, just freaking out. So I, I, I write that on the board now on day one. I said, music theory got real. This day is coming for you. Whatever your background, um, it, it might be today, it might be August, whatever, it might be November, it's coming. On that day, if you weren't paying attention two, three, four days before that, we might lose you, you know, and we're going to find you, but it's better if we don't lose you at all. So today we are so pleased to have as our guest today, Akira Sato. Um, he is a instructor at... Um, 
Plano West Senior High School. And so he is also in the, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex with us. And we've been finally thawed out from our long uh, winter blast. And so we're so pleased to be able to uh, chat with you. Um, before we kind of get into your work uh, teaching theory at the high school level and your work with AP theory, I thought we'd just kind of get a little background information about um, how you got into teaching music theory and oral skills. Um, obviously, probably, I'll, I'll guess that one of the first things that got you into theory was your Bachelor of Commerce and Business Administration <laughs> degree that you got, right? I mean, that's that's the entryway into music theory, right? Who knew, right? Everybody needs one of those. <laughs> so how to, tell us a little bit about um, about your, your journey to where you're at now. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this is like planets aligning um, completely. So had you told me, whatever, 10, 20, 15 Years ago, this is what I'm doing. This is not even fathomable. Um, so I was born in Japan. I'm not going to go too far back, but we moved to Canada <laughs> when I was uh, between third and fourth grade. So I went. I did most of my school in Canada. I play, I picked up trumpet whenever people start trumpet in school. I think it was seventh grade. Around here, I think it's sixth. But mm -hmm. uh, played through high school. Um, you know, the equivalent of all state was provincial honor band is I think what they called it um, but when I graduated yeah business school was what I was gonna do so I have a degree undergraduate degree in business with a minor in computer science <laughs> but all the while I was in the music school I, I they let me play in the, the, the concert band uh, occasionally an orchestra concert I remember playing uh, second trumpet trumpet in a on uh, Stravinsky octet or something mm. um, played in the jazz band whatever so so here's business school, right? By the time I graduate, there's like six companies giving me contracts, offers, you know, jobs. So I had to choose. Anyway, the, the job I took is, took me to Toronto, Canada, which is uh, different. I knew nobody there. So in the evenings, just to get to know people, you know, every, every, every city has like an entertainment newspaper with mm -hmm. classifieds in the back. So Toronto had one. There's this guy that teaches jazz improvisation, and he puts people in little combos and teaches. And I'd always played trumpet. I'd always listened to a lot of jazz, played in jazz bands, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't an improviser or anything um, at the time. So I, that's what I did. And the one, the person that was teaching that was a student of a pretty famous, well-known jazz pianist and pedagogue, Barry Harris. And so I got to practicing he's the one that kind of put the link between scales and and music you know scales mm -hmm. were things you do to get better like technically and and music was music but then he kind of put two together for me and it was like a big thing mm -hmm. and so the job started to get in the way of me trying to practice so <laughs> i had heard of this place called university of north texas has a big jazz school right so okay so i have a degree in business nobody's going to take that away from me let's try it for a year or two or three or i've been here since 1994 right so that's what happened so i got a master's degree in jazz um arranging jazz arranging and so after i and and that took a while because I, I, I did have a bachelor's degree, but I didn't have um, undergraduate music credits, you know. So mm -hmm. it did take a while. but And then I started working in the area, freelancing, adjuncting. I was a uh, adjunct at Southern Methodist University, SMU in Dallas. I was the jazz band director, and I taught improvisation classes, maybe 12 years, maybe 13. And then I was all adjuncted at University of North Texas in jazz arranging. And so at some point or another, I taught the introductory undergraduate, advanced undergraduate, and graduate. 
but so you know collecting adjunct titles is what I did for a while <laughs> and 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 one of the things I did is I used to go to the local high school like three miles from here once a week to clinic their jazz band in improvisation and so one day he says oh we're opening up this uh, full-time theory position at our school you know three miles from home I'm like full-time okay so I'll <laughs> apply for it and even that wasn't easy because I was not certified you know mm -hmm. to teach public right. school um, I hadn't even thought about doing it so I applied and and I initially I didn't even make the short list but things happened I got the and here here's how naive I was the, I went to the interview and said okay the job is six classes of AP music theory and I'm like okay and I just assumed every school in, in Texas or U.S. because I didn't even go to school in U.S., you know? Why wouldn't every school have a theory teacher? So um, so that's how it all happened. And I've been doing it eight years, and it's been great. I've learned a lot about this. So my background in theory is more from a sort of a practitioner side of things mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. not an academic or research-based thing. And, and uh, But it, it's it's I've learned a lot. It's been great. And right now, I'm, so I apologize if, you know, somebody out there, this is their dream job, but I'm not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think everything is bigger in Texas and even the <laughs> high school theory jobs are. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not aware of another full time no. theory, theory teacher, at least in the DFW area or maybe even in the state. So it's, it's very, very unique. Yeah. Well, Plano, the district has three senior highs. And so I'm one, and each of the senior highs has one. But yes, and, and there are a couple out there. I did. I am learning the small world that we live in, and there are a few mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, and so I think I think this would be good for people who aren't from Texas, because we all know how big these schools are in Texas. But just for for our listeners who aren't aware of how massive these high schools truly are, uh, you know what your enrollment is at your <sighs> at your campus? Our campus is probably like under 3,000, 2,900 students. Which that's which isn't four grades? that's, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. It's not that's huge sounding, but we're a senior high school. We're eleven and twelve. So any given year we're graduating fourteen hundred plus <laughs> students, give or wow. take. Um, which is good and bad. You know, big mm -hmm. is not always good, mm -hmm. but big allows the school to have specialists teaching certain classes. Mm -hmm. You know, some of our science teachers are you know, actual engineers and scientists and it's, yeah. Mm. So that side yeah. of it is good. And I get mm. to do what I do, mm. which is, which is nice. And all six classes I think are AP theory. It's not just music theory fundamentals as a class and then a class of AP theory. All six of those classes from what I understand are AP theory, which I think is uh, impressive as well. Correct. 22 students times six every day. Wow. <laughs> it's awesome. A lot of theory. <laughs> so do the classes are they um are all the students kind of mixed up as far as some are, are they kind of choir and band and orchestra are they all are they separated by maybe um instrumentation or, or skill at all i, I mean w wouldn't that be nice but i mean you guys don't get to do that in in college either do you <laughs> so i have band students orchestra orchestra is is extra big at our school so i think the most draw is from orchestra actually and band and mm -hmm. choir there's a lot of people that they say um used to band or used to choir <laughs> so they get to whatever ninth 10th grade and they have to choose you know between whatever activities so i used to have like the captain of the cheerleading team she had to choose between flute and cheer so she chose cheer but she still wanted to do music so she took my class mm -hmm. um 
people that do piano lessons at home, piano players sometimes are off kind of the radar a little bit in, mm. in music classes in high school. Um, and, and literally just com complete newbies too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to turn them away because I've had some that this was their beginning to music and they're actually playing in, in bands and things right now. So all kinds. Yeah. I wonder there's a growing population of students who are entering college as music majors who don't have ensemble experience from high school. Maybe have never sung in a choir, played in an orchestra, but they've been playing in a garage band or a worship band at church or something like that for years and years. I imagine you probably see some of those kinds of students as well every now and then. I do. And, and those, the, those students have the best questions, don't they? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I didn't, I never even thought to why, why are certain things the way they are, you know? And I had a student who his go-to clef was alto clef because that's the one that made sense to him because everything is in the middle. You know, and he was new to music. And so that's what he went with the most of the, I, I you know, when we do dictations and things, I, I let them choose their favorite cleft for a good portion of the year. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, yeah, so that was his go-to thing. It's, so it's, it's very interesting. Well, the alto cleft does make a lot of sense. You have less ledger lines, you know, you're right mm -hmm. in the middle there, you know, so, and he wasn't, he didn't play the viola either, right? He, no, no. <laughs> I think he played, he sang in church when he was younger and that was his background. He was like the student council president. Mm. It was, yeah, very cool. <laughs> Intelligent people, you know, they piece things together if it's, yeah. even if it's new. So I, I will say though, if I can add to something, so everybody starts at a, we, we have no prerequisite for the class, right? So everybody starts a difference. This kid has done 10 years of piano and this, this kid maybe he's sang in choir in church or something. But so I, I always say at the beginning of the year, um, we're going to start from, you know, the beginning. Um, but I want them to be paying attention because I quote this student. There's one student maybe in October one year. Um, she's kind of been coasting along because key signatures, whatever. She had done that in band, I think it was. And one day, I can't remember, seventh chord day, she, we finished class. She, right, teenage girls, music theory just got real. She's <laughs> just freaking out. So I, I, I write that on the board now on day one. I said, music theory got real. This day is coming for you, whatever your background. Um, it, it might be today. It might be August, whatever. It might be November. It's coming. On that day, if you weren't paying attention two, three, four days before that, we might lose you, you know, and we're going to find mm -hmm. you, but it's better if we don't lose you at all. So just, you know, even if you think you know it, maybe there's a different way to think about it, or maybe there's patch, you know, patch up little gaps in your knowledge. So I just ask them to kind of stay in the game. And yeah, for the most part, students are really good about that. Very appreciative. That's so good. That's yeah. a challenge we face too. I mean, we have students beginning at different levels and I start with, you know, all cows eat grass or whatever on the first day. So yeah, I have that challenge too. Yeah. So do you have a specific textbook that you use, um, like an oral book, a theory, written theory book, or do you just kind of compile your own materials or a combo of both? Um, so I have books f for me and we do have a class set of books, but my students don't open books. I, I can't. Mm do the thing where we, you know, let's all open chapter two and, or read chapter <laughs> right. two. And I can't, I can't. And I'm looking back, my best teachers in college, high school, they, they all use their own materials. So I've been told when I started, you know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, mm -hmm. but 
and that's how I taught my college classes too. So I, mm -hmm. I use my own materials, but the, but the payoff is I have, here's my business term, economies of, of scale, right? So if I do mm -hmm. one prep, I could use it six times a day for a year after year. So mm -hmm. my materials are getting better. Um, I just feel like it's more genuine and I can have more of a, a sequence that sort of builds on what we did previously that, mm -hmm. that way. Nothing against, you know, textbooks, authors, and you've had some on your show. I, 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 Betsy, <laughs> Betsy Morgan, I know. So nothing yeah. against, you know. Well, and it's, it's certainly a cost investment, you know, for these students because those books are mm -hmm. not cheap. And do, does your AP theory class run the whole year or is it one semester? Because I know different schools will do different things as far as um, the length and how often mm -hmm. you meet. Do you meet every day? Do you meet a few mm -hmm. days a week? I, I think I got very lucky in that regard. So we meet five five days a week, 50 wow. minutes a day. Uh, the it, We might get to this a little later, but the AP curriculum combines both theory and oral skills. Mm -hmm. And so we get to sing every day. You know, the, the college thing, you do Tuesday, Thursday of oral skills, and on Thursday, mm -hmm. you'll give them, say, okay, sing everything in pages, whatever, whatever. It may happen, it may not. You know, we could do that in class and just sing every day for 10, 15 minutes. So mm -hmm. that's been nice. Um, there are, yeah, you're right. There are schools that only teach one semester or block schedule every other day for a huge chunk of time. Yeah. Um, but it's, that's worked out. What was, was that your question? Was there more to your question? Yeah, I, I mean, because I was curious on because um, how much time you have, because the one challenge with AP is that it's so, there's such a breadth of information because mm -hmm. it, you're, you're right. It's theory and oral skills. It's singing, it's dictation, it's written. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do you you mentioned you sing every day, which is awesome. How do you kind of manage all of those kind of streams? Because you're all kind of you're shooting for this goal of this exam or, you know, this, um, this uh, proficiency on all these different skill levels. How do you manage just all of those things and working, t working towards that direction? <laughs> I mean, if I knew that, <laughs> you'd write a textbook. <laughs> yeah, I'd write a textbook. Um, so when I got the job before I started, they 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 are you're supposed to go to a AP summer institute. It's like a week long boot camp, and I went to one at uh, Texas Christian Blaze Ferrandino, mm -hmm. who yep. you had. Mm -hmm. You know what? I I I meant to thank you for having me on actually, because you know after you first emailed me, I I kind of went to the podcast. I looked at every guest. You know I I. It's like, I, I, I shouldn't even be in that league of people, so I, I can't thank you enough. <laughs> Not at all. Um, you know, Not and then you have this clever, clever title, Note Doctors, and now you have to put an asterisk <laughs> on, on that because I don't have a doctorate. My son was just telling me, what's he talking to you for? You don't have a doctorate. So, um, <laughs> we give you anyway. an honorary Note Doctors doctor. Thank you, <laughs> honorary Note Doctor. Um, so, no, okay, so I went to Blaze Ferrandino's week-long clinic and uh, uh, institute and kind of learned what all needs to co be covered and what all that I didn't know or I've forgotten. Uh, I, I think probably didn't actually learn it properly. <laughs> in my, um, and, and the whole approach, the Blaze's approach is really fresh and, and so much. I, I've actually observed him do many of these institutes and I've heard more than one teacher come and say, it, it, you know, I want, I want to go back to my theory one teacher and ask for my money back, you know? <laughs> so um, what I try to do, let's, let's see. I try to, as much as possible, have the oral 
a little bit ahead of the, the written, which is hmm. easier in the fall. Like we, we'll sing, everybody, we have, we also, our district has a pretty good elementary music program. So we could sing a major scale on day one in solfege and we don't, I don't have to teach that. And we'll do that. And, and then, you know, whenever, two, three weeks down the road, okay, whenever we're singing major scale, they're, they're just a combination of holes and half steps. And then within the major scale, there are these intervals on inter interval day, we've sang these intervals. Or within the major scale, there are these thirds, some are major thirds, some are minor thirds. How do, if you stack do, mi, so as a, as a, as a right, is a major third on the bottom, minor on top and we call that a major triad so i try to have all the singing kind of lead the theory right um i don't know if that's good i'm making this stuff up right i don't um <laughs> i think that's um, so smart that's why we have the pod yeah, to great. talk about it <laughs> <laughs> because the tendency is to teach the concept mm -hmm. and and then oh well, now let's hear it or but really we experience music the other way around. It's always aural first, right? right. It's never looking at a score mm -hmm. and then hearing it. So I think starting aurally, I think is, is the best approach. If one, you of can. The, one of the things that happened kind of out of, mo most of my things happen out of necessity, but when they hired me, they hadn't had six periods of music theory before. So they were building a classroom. It wasn't done when I started, which, um, <laughs> looking back on this week for the first three, mm -hmm days of my public school teaching career, we didn't have air conditioning in August, right? Because oh, they no. hadn't finished it yet, right? Um, <laughs> no, but anyway, we didn't have a, a, a whiteboard or a projector. So I just put, I just printed out do, re, mi, fa, so on, on paper and just masking taped it on the wall. <laughs> and I started pointing at these things, just making little melodies. And we were singing for several days. Mm -hmm. And um, I've actually kept that. That's good, you know. Mm -hmm. And so on one day, we'll, we might sing so ti re fa, and I'll just kind of stay on fa, and then go do my next thing. And somebody always goes me, right? Mm -hmm. They want to resolve that. And then so when we go to part writing day and talking about chordal sevenths, you know that thing that that me thing, that's an actual thing. And and <laughs> so so they've they've experienced it and felt it and kind of felt the the need and the want to have to resolve things mm -hmm. and and then. I don't know. So I'm not even sure if that answers your question, but that's kind of like how I'd like to see the whole year develop. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really is refreshing to hear that because, you know, sound before sight is something that I think all of our music mm -hmm. ed colleagues throw around all the time. And, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes we switch it around, maybe rightly so, but uh, I'm just so refreshed to hear all of the RL skills you're doing. I mean, I talked to another AP theory teacher who will remain nameless and also not in Texas, by the way. But uh, he was mentioning how far he had gotten the students in the theory book, you know, and oh, my students can spell all these augmented six chords and all this. And wow, that's so great. You know, I wonder how you have time to do all this. And, and he says, well, I don't do any RL skills. Yikes. And then I just kind of gulped, you know, and I didn't really know what to say. It kind of left me speechless oh, for a second, you know, but uh, I'm just so refreshed to hear that you start with all of that, you know, just singing things and solfege and really getting that sound before sight happening. It's, it's so uh, refreshing and energizing to hear that. Um, you, had, you had Blaze Ferrandino on and he talked about the singing and in, in matrix singing yep. and, <laughs> and you could describe that better than I, but so this time we're doing part writing right now. And, and mm. this year has been a challenge, but 
So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on all the fronts. Right, yes. right. But so we have a, a, a set of I don't know how many ever Roman numerals that go in a part writing question seven, eight, maybe. Um, so I'll make a matrix out of that. And at the beginning of the class, we'll sing the matrix and I'll just circle this note and say, okay, let's say that's the first note of a soprano line. Just let's all sing a soprano line. And usually it comes not quite unison, but it's very close to unison, right? And then 10 minutes later, okay, here's your part writing assignment for the day. We've done this. You just have to write down what you're saying. And, and enough people, are, I can't get everybody on board with that. But I think it's it's starting to work. You know, I'm still only this is my eighth year. It's going to get better, I hope. You know, but <laughs> it's starting to work. So that kind of thing. Just That's the, great. The... Mm -hmm. I've uh, graded AP exams a few a few years, and uh, it's really a wonderful experience to get to interact with colleagues. I have mm -hmm. loved working with the high school teachers and have learned so much from the high school teachers when I've had that experience. Um, but I've also been amazed at how much is covered in one year. I mean, and especially at the high school level where there's a lot else going on in their lives. There is in college too, but most of our students are music majors, right? And you have students who are committed maybe to lots of different things. Um, do you ever find yourself, it's a tough exam. You know, I, I've graded both sight singing questions before I've graded the melodic dictation and a couple of the harmonic dictations. And I've been on FR7, which if you're listening to this and you don't know anything about the AP, that's the really, really hard question where they have to write a melody harmonization and a baseline and it's complicated and um, it's a pretty challenging open response question. And um, so do you ever find yourself sort of like teaching to that test and maybe leaving out things that you wish you could cover? <laughs> um. Yes and no. Um, teaching to the test. So the, you know the the rubric of the test, right? And yes, if the rubric it's very of the specific. test, right? But if the mm -hmm. singing rubric says you should hold out the last note full value, right? If it's right. a half note, you should go to the end of the half. I mean, that's good musicianship right. things we should be mm -hmm. teaching anyway. Or if the right. melody harmonization question weighs the rubric weighs the the cadences more, that's mm -hmm. what we should be teaching anyway right or right or part mm -hmm. writing minor key you need a, a leading tone accidental and if you don't mm -hmm. it's actually a heavy penalty is not the word they want to use but right you right. don't it, it, it does there's cost kind of a pretty right yeah. there's a domino effect of points so does that mean i'm teaching the test maybe but i think those are the things we would teach anyway um, mm -hmm. and, and then the other thing is if I can buy into the fact that if you gave this exam to uh, not necessarily a high school student, but um, generally the better musicians would tend to score better. So mm -hmm. if you can, if you believe in the test, I think it's okay to be teaching to the test a little bit. Does that mean mm -hmm. I skip things that I think are important? Maybe, you know. Um, right. Yeah. That's definitely one thing the three of us have talked about outside of the podcast a little bit is just, is your rubric rubric assessing what you say it is? And, you know, if the rubric is a good rubric, then it should, you know, do that mm -hmm. assessment fairly and, and adequately and, you know, even efficiently too. Some might argue because it takes us a long time to grade some sort of things, especially mm -hmm. something like sight singing. It's so hard to assess, you know, um, and teach uh, both of those, both sides of that coin. It is. I actually love the AP rubric for sight singing. It's so consistent. So 
I have exams at my school where there's more than one of us grading. And I just love that with that rubric, everyone gets the same thing or they're within a very small margin of each other mm. pretty much every time when they grade it. Um, if, you, if you've never experienced the AP exam, the students get credit for sort of units of music that they sing correctly, um, but they have to have both rhythm and pitch correct for the unit to count. And then they also get a kind of a point for what they call flow, which means keeping the tempo throughout, never really stopping. And they can have really minor hesitations, just like any real musician does, but they can't fully stop. And I mean, to me, that's that's the goal, right? Notes and rhythms and flow, or getting from beginning to end without stopping. That's what we're looking for, because in a real live performance, if you're sight reading, that's what that's what you need to be able to do. <laughs> you can't just stop if you get something wrong and go backwards and fix it. So. But yeah, consistency is key or consistency is job number one is the thing they always say at AP. And the rubrics are designed really well to to get that. No, I agree. And if teaching to the rubric means they're doing, you know, good musicianship stuff, then I think I'm right. a little bit justified in teaching to the test. That's such a yeah. it kind of has a negative no, connotation. It does. The wording. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, we also all leave things out that we wish we could get to for various reasons. I mean, that's true. I'm teaching a four semester sequence and that happens to me where I'm like, man, I wish we could have done more of this. There's only so many hours in a day. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the challenges in, in teaching theory is is always making it kind of relevant and engaging to the students because it can be pretty dry, right? And, um, and Akira, you've been, you've been kind of very modest because you are featured, I want to mention, in uh, Jennifer Snodgrass's text or book, <laughs> Teaching Music Theory. You have a whole like three pages devoted to you in your classroom <laughs> where she talks about how you uh, uh, used uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller as a melodic dictation exercise, right? So um, you're doing big things too. Um, <laughs> but can you talk a little bit about how you can uh, how how you engage with the students and make it interesting how how you can make you know a melodic dictation or or maybe some of your favorite kind of um musical examples uh that you like to bring into the classroom that that students you know seem to catch on to uh, so that's that's i mean the other one i already said if you're asking all the hard questions um <laughs> relevancy is probably the, the that's the hardest thing you know and and but so there's there's part of that part of it what materials i teach what my favorite song is that part of it but then there's the other part of it is 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 not maybe me but is the time the students have in my class relevant to them in their day you know if if if, if they enjoy being in that class together or if they enjoy just I think Gina Root, I think you had on, mm -hmm. she said she has a combination of, of goofiness and what else? Did she I listened to every one of your podcasts, by the way. <laughs> Thank I, you. It, it, it was like a book that I couldn't put down. I'm like, okay, what is this about? <laughs> and I saw Jenny, right? It's not grass and then blaze mm -hmm. and then blah. Okay. So uh, goofiness, <laughs> humor, they're uh, 16, 17, 18. They're just getting into sarcasm you know mm -hmm. and i never yeah. really grew out of that phase in my life <laughs> so same if if yeah see if if spending that and i've had students tell me afterwards it's just in the midst of the day that 50 minutes in my classroom was kind of you know 
a relief maybe and then they mm -hmm. it's not like they don't work hard they work hard maybe they don't realize they're working hard um yeah. so being that time being relevant in their day i think yeah. is maybe just as important as um one of the so i like you use um elvis tune um can't help falling in love with you because mm -hmm. the melody is very diatonic and when we get to bass lines, it's, it's a nice bass line. It has inversions, all that kind of stuff. So we, I could come back to it throughout mm -hmm. the year. Yeah. Uh, and then Michael Jackson, on Olympic year, year, I would use the Olympic fanfare. Mm -hmm. John Williams and I would make a matrix out of that and, and make our own version of the fanfare. So um, I, I don't know. We did deceptive cadences the other day. There was something from frozen the where the <laughs> not the not the moose the reindeer sings a song is the deceptive cadence at the end um sven yeah um, I, I, i'm actually yeah. tracking with you i know that exact you know that song. Yeah. yeah um <laughs> see um so yes i i do try um we did secondary dominance we're just starting i start with uh star spangled banner just the first phrase mm -hmm. there's a five of five there's also a five of six depending on how you harmonize it Mm -hmm. And so it's it's relevant. They they know it. And then, you know, when when they when 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 they go see a, an analysis question on the AP exam or something, I would say, oh, there's a there's a um, I don't know what's the word. There there's a Sven or something. <laughs> and that's 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 how they. So yes, examples are important. But I think just yeah, just our time together with the students being relevant in their lives, I think is. Is a harder thing because mm -hmm. I mean, music theory can get dry pretty quick if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. It's hard this year. Yeah. So can it you is talk because about... it... sorry, Jen, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just going to say I feel the same way because it's kind of divorced from the music in written theory class. I can't tell you how many times I've said, "Well, normally I would make you sing this," or "Normally I would," you know, and and we just can't do it right now. But exactly. Hopefully, hopefully soon we'll be. And normally we'd be more goofy, you know, goofy's hard. Right. Yeah. Zoom right. It is, is when hard. you're behind a wall and everybody's wearing a mask. It's just yes. such a unique environment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say to myself, okay, now everybody sing with me. And then I'm just singing a solo <laughs> into the green light, you know, and yeah. I'm envisioning what this would potentially sound like, but I don't know what they're singing, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're like, good job. <laughs> and, then, and then I go, oh, I have no idea what you did. But normally that's what I would say, you know? <laughs> So true. So, are you teaching online? Do you have some face-to-face -face elements? What What has your your uh, your year been like so far? <laughs> My year, um, <laughs> including this last last week, right? Pandemic. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what it's officially called. I think it's blended. So uh, they split the student body. They split the student body. That's funny. Um, <laughs> by last name Alpha. And so half of them come every other day. The other half come on the opposite days. Uh, they get to choose if they come in face-to-face -face or be at home. So in any mm -hmm. given class, I have anywhere from two to five students live, and then I have a mm -hmm. Zoom full of maybe dozen students mm -hmm. at the same time. So, um, and, then, and then the, the, the other half of the alphabet is doing an asynchronous lesson of the same thing that I had to pre-record. So I have live students, I have oh, Zoom man. students, and then I have pre-recorded lessons essentially doing the same thing on a given day. Oh my gosh, so, you deserve a raise. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's double duty. Oh. Double duty. It's, mm -hmm. it's, 
I've gotten better at it. The, the beginning of the year it was hard, and it was hard for everybody. You know, it's like mm-hmm. first year teaching is hard. This is like first year teaching, except you can't go down the hall and ask somebody, well, "How did you do this?" And, and when you, you know, because nobody knew. It's like we don't know. Right. Um, you could almost. But we're making it work. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. You could almost argue that you're doing triple duty because you have the asynchronous lesson, then you have the Zoom live mm-hmm. and then you have the face-to-face live i mean in my opinion that's almost triple duty but mm-hmm. yeah and then the uh grading right grading on paper is oh, so much man. more better yeah. than we use yes. google classroom but yeah yeah, yeah i'm longing yeah. i'm longing for the day when i get a stack of part writing i mean <laughs> <laughs> I mean, great. We have Canvas, but like marking things on Canvas on the uploaded PDFs, and yeah. then sometimes they look like the Star Wars. Yeah. Are like, I'm like, you got to put yeah. it right on top the camera, and and I'm like, oh, it's 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 takes at least twice 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 as long. I uh, petitioned really hard to be allowed to grade on paper this semester, and I won. So I am allowed to collect papers. I just have to, they sanitize their hands before they turn them in. And I sanitize my hands before and after I grade lots of hand washing. Um, But uh, it's been amazing. Like I don't bring grading home every single night and grade until 930 this semester. It's unbelievable. (laughs) That was all of fall and last spring. So Mm -hmm. it is, it makes a huge difference. Grading on the screen takes a lot longer. Now, do your students, are they required to take um, uh, the test at the end or can they choose to opt out or, uh, and then my second part would be like, how many then go on to, you know, study music? Uh, do you have any kind of idea? Yeah. So uh, we can't require them. Um, I, by policy, by law, I'm not sure. Um, I think probably because there's a fee involved, I think, mm-hmm. but most of them do. So I, I, I said 22 students, thir- six classes, that's 132 students. Mm. I've had as many, I think I looked it up as 129 take one year. Wow. And, um, this, I'm not going to count 2020, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, hundred and maybe five was the smallest, um, I've had. So, yeah, it's and on testing day, as you can imagine, everybody sight singing recordings and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. kind of a hectic day for us. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how many people go on to take music, to study music at college, was that your question? Yeah. Um, I actually don't know. I'm going to say probably, so I teach 132 at the beginning of the year. Usually by the end, it's in the high, I know, 120 something-ish. I'm going to say somewhere between 50 and 20 probably do. Mm. And I don't know. The reason I almost don't want to know because I don't want to treat this class as like a prep school for Mm -hmm. music, would-be music majors. If this is stuff that they're going to go on and be doctors. You you go to the the symphony, all the donors, Mm -hmm. they're not musicians. They're doctors and Mm -hmm. whoever, right? So if if one of my students go on to to value music in their lives, I I think that's good or... Mm-hmm. Or if, if they have their own kids and they want put them in piano music, piano mm-hmm. lessons, like like my little guy here, um, I think I think that's good. Yeah. I, when I do say things like that, though, sometimes people mistake that we're taking the class lightly. We're not working very hard, and and you know mm-hmm. our scores aren't that high and that kind of stuff. And and but our scores are high. So <laughs> um, kudos to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fun. And so I don't really almost don't want to know how many, go, mm. how many go on to do music. 
I think that's valuable because yeah. oftentimes we get this in the college level and you get this in the, in the high school level too, is this um, vocation kind of training kind of mentality. Like you only take it if you're going to be able to use it in your job or, you know, um, some type of skills. I can't remember the uh, <laughs> word that's floating around our university right now. <laughs> um, um, but there's this value in just being a musician and knowing how music mm -hmm. works and being an educated listener and, you know, just being part of a, a public that appreciates music, right? Because that's, we have to have that to have our concerts and our ensembles, right? We're not, mm -hmm. if everyone right. was a performer, who would we be playing to, right? So we want ticket purchasers, we want donors at the symphony, right? And so I think that's a, yeah. an awesome attitude to have about, about music theory teaching and just music education in general. Yeah, we shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit by by keeping this to ourselves a little bit. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. true. It's in the same way that, you know, I took the AP English exam. I've, I'm an avid reader. I read three books this week while we had no power via flashlight. And um, <laughs> that's great. It, it does nothing but contribute wonderful things to my life, to love literature, to love science, all of those things. And all of that I didn't, you know, some of it maybe I learned in a music theory classroom, but most of it not. So um, absolutely. I think music theory is the same way. Now you came to all of this from jazz. So how does that influence how you teach your students music theory? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, especially the first year I was, you know, when we got to pass the fundamentals, I was kind of learning along with them and students they knew that <laughs> and they were very but there you know there were many days where i came and said okay remember all that stuff i said yesterday can we just delete uh, control z <laughs> start over um so i but i think you know that that's good to get students on your side too um mm -hmm. like like i said every uh, you know when i point at solfeges and make up little melodies for us to sing i have solfeges on the wall kind of horizontally actually um uh, I'm kind of making up melodies, but they're not that random, you know, instead of mm -hmm. saying, let's go to the sight singing book today, where it says we'll outline the dominant triad or something. I'll just be doing it when they're ready and they don't even know they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. I do, um, what I call call and response where I just play a little, like a little melody on the piano. I don't know if you heard that, but mm -hmm. um, I have them conduct in four, so it's always in time, and then they have to echo it back to to me in solfege. Mm -hmm. And that, depending on what the echo comes back, I can make the melody harder or easier, mm -hmm. which I think comes from a little bit of improvisation background, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I am pretty... <laughs> I am not... Hmm... I don't hesitate in editing people like Bach, just for the sake of an example. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Some people would take offense, but um, that uh, I we we're not doing one this year. Again, this year is weird, but um, we do a chorale writing. Once we learn the basics of part writing, we do a chorale. Everybody writes a full, I think, 16 measure chorale where it's, you know, in jazz, we do this thing called a contrafact, where you take mm -hmm. the chords to a, a standard and you write your own melody. So mm -hmm. I, I took a Bach chorale and I reduced it down to Roman numerals and, okay, here, write a, write a, a chorale that kind of has contour and makes sense. Because, right, when you do those part writing questions, there's no contour, really. Yeah. There's no development. 
Um, so you don't get to talk about those things. So that, that might be from my jazz arranging, teaching kind of bag of tricks, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. The Matrix singing, that's improvisation, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not sure. That's really cool. Yeah. One thing that you yeah. played, even the little excerpt that you played kind of reminded me of one thing that we're doing right now in RL Skills 2, which is like taking a basic idea and then improvising like a second basic idea. And then once you get mm. a basic idea followed by a basic idea, improvising like a continuation. So like not just, I guess as a first level, just yeah, call and response. And then like as a second level, can you now do something that's like slightly different, but kind of based on the same idea and then follow that out to a cadence, you know, just kind of seeing that process happen, you know, I feel like wow. you can see the, uh, witness the growth of people's musicianship, like just doing that little activity kind of yeah. day by day, you know, different basic ideas, different styles even too, you know, it's really cool. So I, was, I wasn't sure what I was going to teach tomorrow. I might, I might do that. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you, an idea. you can even just do yeah. happy birthday or, you know, something like that they already know even I like to do first, you know. It's like, well, how do you know what comes after? Da, 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 da. You know, just right. starting with that, everybody kind of knows what comes next because you probably know happy birthday, but I don't know, <laughs> something to start with, you know. Yeah. I like it's, cheesy it's, stuff it's, like it's, that. It's, <laughs> yes, we like happy birthday. We sing it in minor, you know. For, there you go, whenever, exactly. Whenever there's a student has a birthday, we'll sing it in minor and we'll start adding <laughs> deceptive cadences and things like that. Yes, some spend. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess that's the relevancy, but that's great. Um, but it's just what you said, you know, you can witness the growth, you know, day by day or week by week. That's, that's mm -hmm. the thing. That's... Now you had a question for us oh. actually. Uh -oh. oh yeah. And I wanted to, and I wanted to kind of make sure we get to that. Yeah. So, um, on our, as we were kind of, uh, corresponding before our recording, you mentioned that you had a kind of question, uh, for us, uh, and wondered what we thought about it. So why don't you, uh, ask that question, uh, to yeah, us and so, maybe we can kind of give you some feedback. Yeah. If I may, like you, so uh, treat mm -hmm. you as a panel of college, you know, music theorists. So we AP, right. Um, students could take AP in their junior years and, and a lot of them do, and then they finish and they do well and they go, Oh, can I do something next year? And right now we have to say, no, there's nothing for you at our school. But we've kind of recently been given the green light to offer a class that's post where, where the prerequisite is AP. And so we have our thoughts, you know, me and the other teachers um, mm -hmm. of what should go in a course like that. But just without biasing you, though, what would you do if, if given sort of a blank slate to teach high school post AP class? Well, one thing the AP exam does not get into that much, at least not in the free response side of things, which is the side I know the most. Um, there's a large multiple choice section as well, of course, but form is one thing that doesn't come up that much. And if I, if I was going to spend time, I think post AP exam, I would go to, I would take, I think an anthology approach and just gather a collection of really great music across a lot of different styles, including popular music, jazz, all sorts of things. And I would just live with that music and uh, sit with it, listen to it, sing it, you know, go to, into detail, go large scale and look at all these different, you know, pieces and kind of find the connections that are always there. I totally agree. The first thing that came to my head was form. Um, just from my experience, the incoming freshmen to North Texas know a ton. 
they, I am blessed. There is no doubt about it. But form is the weakest area. It's probably partially due to the uh, way the AP classes are structured. Um, but there's so many things you can do with form. I mean, you don't even necessarily mm -hmm. have to talk about cadences. You'll say, whoa, that's a hot take graph. Well, how about you just talk about closure? <laughs> you know, how about you just talking about why is mm -hmm. one sound ending sound different than another ending? Why does one beginning of something sound like a restarting versus a departure to something different? I mean, there are so many, um, I guess, fundamentally musical things about form that yes, there are a lot mm -hmm. of these labels, but like you can talk about form without using a ton of labels and even have your students, I've had kind of students come up with their own labeling systems and you'll kind of see mm -hmm. like little mini Kaplan's or Hefakoski and Darcy's <laughs> or whatever form theorist <laughs> is your favorite, you know, but you'll see them kind of emerge with their own terminology and it's really cool because they're just starting with the music, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's something really cool that you could extend past the AP curriculum. Yeah, and even having, talking about form with, with out notated scores so mm -hmm. looking at popular music where all you have is um the the digital auto workstation uh <laughs> audio file like yes. that's what you got right and thinking about how form works in that way and then also thinking about instrumentation production what other elements of music can we talk about mm. timbre mm -hmm. um texture, all these other things that kind of rhythm, even, you know, all these things that are kind of f f go by the wayside when we get into theory proper, uh, because we can easily identify and analyze harmony and yep. pitch, mm -hmm. right? And so we prioritize those things. But looking at other elements of music and thinking about how those work, um, mm -hmm. I think that'd be really fun to look at. And I also thought, you know, that could be a class where you have some built-in tutors for your AP classes. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or even or even greater. Well, maybe that might be a, an issue with grading. Right. Uh, the students, but, you know, maybe there's a part where you can have um, those students can be tutors for, for some of your AP students as well. Hmm. That's excellent. Mentoring, yes. That's mm -hmm. excellent. But I think that's great. I think that's that sounds awesome. I would love to mm -hmm. teach that class. <laughs> that's really intriguing, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Our hands are full with the six classes right now. And mm. so part of that is contingent on, on staffing. Mm. And so right now, uh, yeah, um, my hands are full, which is good, right. which That's is a good, good problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have a, mm. a waiting list of students wanting to take this class. Wow. You can believe. wow. Um, I don't know currently, but maybe three. I'm, I'm just going to like 57 students couldn't take the class that wanted to wow. it's wow. it's sad but you know what can i do yeah i need to sleep <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's 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 phenomenal that's phenomenal yeah. well we we're kind of coming to the end of our time um this has been just such a great great time talking with you this has been oh, super a fun last yeah. and, and yeah. after the week that we've all had this is this is, this has been wonderful um, I wanted to close out just with mm. some kind of just a little quick rapid fire questions that we like oh to um, mm -hmm. ask just kind of just your off the cuff uh, thoughts on, on some things. Jen, Ben, do you have something? I have an idea if you want me to second think. I have one, but you can go. You okay. Go. go ahead, Paul. So you're a jazzer, you know, so what is your favorite maybe jazz um, artist or maybe jazz tune to use in in a theory or oral skills class, like something that you're like, oh, I love using that, or I like talking about this um, artist. <sighs> uh, what is this thing called love by Cole Porter? 
Mm. Um, nice. it, it has a minor a two tune. five one. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. very diatonic. It's got a minor two five that kind of has a Picardy third one <laughs> that mm -hmm. I would never have used that term, you know, ten years ago, but now we do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and there's plenty of examples mm -hmm. off the top mm -hmm. of my head. That's great. And that's the fun thing yeah. with jazz is also you can listen to the same same song, but depending on the artist, it has a totally different feel. And then you can talk about mm -hmm. performance and all those other elements of music beyond just on the written score, which is great. Mm. I love teaching jazz theory. I always point out to students, it's the only uh, type of music I know of where audiences expect to hear something different than the recording when they go. Mm. Even, you know, even the symphony, I want to hear Eroica, right? Mm. I want to hear you know, Mahler 2, the way I know Mahler 2. But if I go to a jazz concert and they do the same exact solos as the recording, I'm going to be disappointed, right? I want to hear them do something new. I think it's cool. Well, All you right, know, there's, so. sorry, there's a story. If I, do I do we have time? Yeah, yeah sure, go Thad, for it. Thad Jones, right? Um, mm -hmm. Composer, right? Yep. One of the, and I, I, I don't, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't on a podcast, but uh, one of the stories, one of the reasons why he left the bass band was um, in April in Paris, he quoted in, in, in a recording, he quoted um, Pop Goes the Weasel. And, uh -huh. and it was, he was, I, I think if I'm remembering right, they had done multiple, multiple, multiple takes and he was just being smart and, and, and stuck a quote in there. And then now when they go on the road to do these concerts, every time, um, Basie made him play that. Otherwise, audience <laughs> wouldn't think it's the same tune. And that, that he got tired of doing that. Mm -hmm. It's the story I heard. It mm. was probably wrong. But anyway, <laughs> he just reminded me of that. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So if you, for one whole year of teaching AP music theory, could only use the music of two composers of any genre, style, whatever, who would they be? I know it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what one, I Jen. would say. Yeah, I don't know what wow. I don't know how I would answer this question. Wow. <laughs> I you know what? I don't <laughs> I probably would not say Bach cuz Bach there's exceptions to everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, um maybe Mozart, but I'm not really that well versed in it. Maybe mm -hmm. one of them would be be me. Like we need an example for mm. something, and I'll just just write something. You know, <laughs> yeah. it would talk about reinventing the wheel. It would take a lot of time, but it would get right at the point of what I'm trying to cover that day. <laughs> um, not famous. Don't have to worry about copyright. Um, that kind right, of there stuff. There you go. Um, that yeah, that's kind of very egocentric to say, but I think <laughs> no, it, it might be that's the, a great answer. <laughs> yeah, the cheapest person I can hire probably <laughs> that's good I have my rapid fire and it comes kind of just out of pure curiosity today what is the most uh I want to say relevant example to high school students like what is the the example that they're all gonna know that they're like oh my gosh that's the example of that like is it Harry Potter is it Frozen, oh. is it, you know, what is hot right now? <laughs> There's nothing rapid about these fire questions. <laughs> it's required too much thought. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. Because when I started, Frozen was still fairly, you know, topical. Yeah. 
but now it's like kid stuff, right? So they don't really want to. I don't know. That that's <laughs> Harry Potter. I, I what do I use? When I think, when I bring what I think is the cool thing, they all groan. Yep, been there. They say, yeah. yeah. Same, yeah. So you have I kind of stopped doing that. It's hard. Yeah. I ask them Where sometimes. Where they're like, who's that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I kind of stopped playing that game. And, and <laughs> there, there is an element. So you get to a certain stage there. There is an element of, you know, the the old man has spoken. And, and that's what we're going to go with. And I've been kind of... <laughs> getting away with that i i don't think i got I'll away with that, that so much that. yeah like when i taught college you know i was younger and college they, they know more and I, I i had to really back up what i said mm. but now I, I can you know if there's a cheesy uh, cheesy song um <laughs> i can't think of something and i go well that's what we're going with today and i go okay so <laughs> i don't know baby shark is still hot though right Maybe. <laughs> just kidding. Hug. You're revealing that you have toddlers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. But I, you know what, though? I have learned a lot from the music my, my son listens to. And his, his you know, he, he's taking piano lessons, mm -hmm. his piano rep. Mm -hmm. Because to me, because I don't know, jazz kind of lives in a vacuum a little bit. We study mm -hmm. jazz. We don't realize this, the, 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 it's part of a bigger thing sometimes. And mm -hmm. so when I learned about theory, these were hypothetical unicorn things like mm -hmm. a Phrygian half cadence. It's nice to know, but what is that? Right. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he was playing something and go, oh, there's a Phrygian, you know, so <laughs> it's becoming more real to me now. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, as we finish up, kind of how can, you know, someone reach out to you if they're, if they're teaching theory um, somewhere and they're like, wow, this, this, uh, I want to learn more from kind of what you're doing and uh, how can people reach out to you? Um, you know, where are you at? Um, and, uh, and kind of a little bit of that. Yeah. So I, I had a website and it's lapsed. So I'll give you my email. My email is, my first name is Akira, A-K-I-R-A dot S-A-T-O at pisd.edu. Um, so I, I was telling you, I, I went to the AP Summer Institute that was run by Blaze Ferrandino. Mm -hmm. um, so full circle, I, I, I run those too. So I have four of those this summer. Um, some locally, some virtual, some actually in person. So mm -hmm. that would be, you know, spending a week together would be, would be great. Um, I, I, yeah, I give away all my not so secret secrets. And, <laughs> and actually, I learned a lot from learn a lot from that's great what um are there any deadlines for um signing up for those or any kind of dates that that you know for for sure uh end of the school year ish i think they go pretty close uh, yeah if they don't reach a certain number sometimes they cancel classes but um yeah because teachers are busy sometimes mm -hmm. they don't think about summer professional development until mm -hmm. things have settled down so <laughs> the into may Mm -hmm. Maybe even early June. I'm, I, my latest institute, I think, is the last week of July. So. so that's our show. Thank you so much for listening to Note Doctors, the music theory and pedagogy podcast. We'll be back with more interviews with professors and teachers who will be dropping all sorts of theory knowledge for your education, edification, and enjoyment. So until then, bye-bye.